Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Discerninghearts.com presents Building a Kingdom of Love Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. Monsignor Essif is a priest in the Diocese of Scranton, Pennsylvania. He has served as a retreat director and confessor to St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. He continues to offer direction and retreats for the Sisters of the Missionaries of Charity. Monsignor Essif encountered St. Padre Pio, who would become a spiritual father to him. He has lived in areas around the world, serving in the Pontifical Missions, a Catholic organization established by St. Pope John Paul II to bring the good news to the world, especially to the poor. He continues to serve as a retreat leader and director to bishops, priests, sisters, seminarians, and other religious leaders. Building a Kingdom of Love. Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Monsignor Essif. Thank you so much, Chris. It's so wonderful to be here again. For each of us Catholics, we look forward now to being introduced again to 40 days. Now, that's liturgy. Why 40 days? Because the Jews were in the desert for 40 years. And in their wandering in the desert, they were being hammered into a people. And that was in the Exodus that Jesus, in imitation of the Jews, at his being tempted by Satan, goes into the desert, just like his Jewish ancestors. Jesus enters the desert. He doesn't go into the desert and fast for 40 days and 40 nights just because it's 40. It's representative of the Jewish people. Uh And the Jewish people in the desert fell, fell, fell to Satan in the desert. They complained they had no food. And so Jesus in the desert, in those 40 days of fasting, the devil comes to him just like he did to the ancestors and says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. And so they complained, and Jesus, hungry and exhausted with his 40-day fast, resists the temptation of the devil, overcomes the devil, his first encounter. No, he says, man does not live by bread alone. And so then he goes to the second temptation. If you will fall down and adore me, Jesus said no. What did they do in the desert? They fell down before an idol and they worshiped Satan. And Jesus said, no, no, God alone will we adore. Him alone, only God. He resists Satan. Throw yourself down because he has given his angels charge over you. And then with the final temptation, no, no, I will not tempt the Lord my God which the Jews did in the desert. And so Jesus overcomes the devil and sin and Satan 
with that tremendous 40 days in the desert. We now, in imitation, how do we begin it? Ash Wednesday. What is the ash? The ashes are those ashes that are made from the previous Palm Sunday. Why the palm? Because it's a reminder of the kingship of Jesus Christ. They strew palm before him. And so now that palm is burnt. And Jesus' salvation comes through the cross. And now we're about to begin our 40 days of fasting and prayer and almsgiving. The four days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then we have the five weeks of Lent. And then the sixth week begins Passion Sunday, which is Palm Sunday. So now, the Christian, as you come to begin this holy season that we have of 40 days, we are going to set aside, just like Jesus this time, the priest takes and places on our forehead. Why on the forehead? Remember, man. That's one of the words he can say, that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. Right on your forehead. Every Christian is now going to concentrate and to think about, this Mm -hmm. is what you're going to have for the next 40 days on your mind. Remember that you're dust. So that this life, this life in this world, as a baptized Christian, we know that it's going to come to an end. This is not our home. And now the Christian begins his Lenten season of fasting and prayer. So what a, what a beautiful day it is to celebrate Ash Wednesday. And we are reminded by God in those readings on that day, we are reminded to, to repent and believe the good news. Repent because we're all sinners. And rejoice too, because the good news is that Jesus has overcome the devil, sin and Satan and death. Monsignor, isn't it remarkable that Ash Wednesday is one of those days in the life of the church when everybody seems to come to church? Yes. And it's not a day of official obligation. No. Other days that, you know, like Ascension Thursday or it maybe even All Saints Day, those are days of holy obligation. And I don't mean to sound so cynical, but you're lucky if you can get quarter or even a tenth of your parish to come to Mass on those days. Isn't it wonderful that this is really kind of a sign and symbol? I am a Catholic mm-hmm. and I really believe in, uh, in Jesus and I believe in his cross. To, uh, and to see people walking around the streets and going to their business or children going to school with ashes on their head. And that all of us really see ourselves as sinners. Remember, and also our mortality. That you, the, Remember, man, that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's, to, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think we go there, we're drawn there as a sign of our Catholicity. Yeah, at a time when it, we're we're told that so many Catholics are lukewarm, and yet 
they're the same ones that will show up and go to mass, receive their ashes, and then go to work with them on their forehead. Yeah, I really love that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a powerful symbol. Yes. Mm. So that this this year is like all the gather everybody, and and uh, Joel in the uh, invitation of that reading, get the babies at the breasts, get the people have have them just come and declare a fast and proclaim a season of prayer. So that's what the church is doing for us. And she a wonderful mother, Ash Wednesday. And that's the particular uh, 40-day period that we are going to begin. And so each day, yes, there is an increase in most parishes of people going to daily Mass. So if you're looking forward to something you want to do this particular Lent, and many times parishes with regard to a schedule of masses are arranged so that people can go maybe in the morning, maybe at noon, sometimes in the evening, but that each day you can go and hear the word of God proclaimed and celebrate the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ at the Eucharist. But now, at this particular season, I would like to encourage you to get your, your Liturgy of the Hours so that uh-huh. when you get up in the morning, you can have a morning prayer so that when you come to pray the Liturgy of the Hours on Ash Wednesday itself, you find this beautiful uh, feast day concentrating on penitential psalms. That kind of prayer that will tell God that we are sorry and repentant for our sins and that we want to praise him and glorify him. Even in Lent, every Sunday is always considered Resurrection Day, even in Lent. So the church doesn't consider Sundays as fast days during Lent. Now, if you go over the 40 days, you actually come up with or 46 days in Lent. And that's why we start on Wednesday, of uh, Ash Wednesday, because you actually come with 40 days of fast, excluding the Sundays. Every Sunday is always Easter. Every Sunday is always Resurrection. Isn't that interesting? I love uh, that. Yeah. So you can... F- you fast Monday to Saturday, but every Sunday, even during Lent, is always considered as a resurrection day. Remember, the suffering and the, and the fasting should always end in joy. The Christian truly sees life as a comedy. It, it never, and, and that, that first Sunday of Lent points it out. Rejoice. Always be happy. Even in the suffering. Because we're doing God's work. Monsignor, can can you give us a brief overview of a good practice of fasting during Lent? I mean, for somebody who's listening now and they're like, oh, I want to fast, but they're not sure exactly what they should do. Yes. I remember when I was first introduced. Did I ever tell you my experience with fasting? Mm -mm. Uh, There is a connection between fasting and prayer. 
And I never got the connection. Um, if you're really serious about fasting, how many of us, I, I'm not asking you to look forward to Lent as a time of dieting. The whole purpose of dieting is to lose weight and have a nice figure. And so that be a fast. See, when you appear before the Father and you come to, to Jesus, what did he experience in his fast? Forty days. What was that? And so I think I must have been about, let me see, it was 1968. I was 40 years old. At that time, I was stationed in the Satura Desert. It's, it's the first time that I had been in, in a desert a place. You know, many of you who, if you listen to me from Arizona or different parts of California or New Mexico, you might have desert where you are. But I was never in a desert place. And this was the Satura Desert. And it was along the, the coast of, uh, of Peru in the Archdiocese of Pura. And at that particular time, it hadn't rained all the time I was there. There was no rain. Oh, and, wow. it was very, and it was very hot. So we were up near the Ecuadorian border, very hot and very dry. And so I thought, I think I would like to fast. So I took, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen 10-gallon milk cans. Uh-huh. I really knew I needed water. So I, I took seven of those cans of water with me into the desert. I put them in my Jeep. I uh, took my mass kit, uh, the bread and the wine that I would use for mass. And the only thing I was going to have was water. And I wanted to see how long I could fast. That was my first experience. In other words, what did Jesus experience when he fasted? And so my first day, I don't recommend this to anyone. It's not a good practice. But I'm telling you, the purpose at that time was, what did Jesus experience? And I drove off into the desert, and I found out I found an algaroba tree. You can actually get some shade under those, and the mm-hmm. desert's intensely hot during the day, and there I ensconced. You get to be 120 in the daytime, and then mm-hmm. the night, as any of you know who are in the desert, as soon as the sun goes down, it gets very chilly and very cold, uh-huh. very cool in the desert. So uh, my first day, I didn't eat. I celebrated Mass, and I had my Liturgy of the Hours, and I was praying. And that was my first day. This next day that I got up, the first thing I experienced, if you fast and don't eat, is a headache. So the next day, I had a headache. And then the third day, I noticed I was constipated. And that was the experiences that I was having physically. But emotionally and spiritually, my alertness as my hunger began to grow. I began to 
not sleep as much. I didn't really need, I found myself not, not sleeping as much. And so even during the night, and my, the other thing, I, had, I have always had poor vision. But at night, the intensity with which I could see the stars, the, the lizards on the, on the floor, and pretty soon I could see the fox that were running in the desert. The clarity at night as well as in the daytime. It was magnificent by the third day. The fourth day, then it kicked in. I realized that prayer and fasting really go together. I've never had a more intense time of praying and fasting. They really are, they're, they're together. When you fast, there's a clarity in your mind and your, as your system begins to become purified. And the fifth day, one of the things that happens and can happen in the desert is you can begin to have illusions. You can begin to see mirages. And I began seeing things and wasn't seeing. It was actually uh, my the clarity. So by the time the sixth day rolled around, I thought, I, I don't know how clear I am right now. So mm-hmm. I kind of packed up. And the only thing I had to eat during that time was the Eucharist. I look at that as a, as a great time for me mm-hmm. to put together fasting, abstaining, and prayer. And uh, I, I never recommend it to anyone else, but for me, it was a help. And since that time, I have a longer extended periods of fasting than six days. But if you really want to challenge this Lent and the fasting and the praying, there, there are monks and heroes who have, this is what they do in, in their, their lives of prayer. The intensity with which what? We live in the third level of the heart, which is what? Mm-hmm. It's in every Christian. The unity between the Father and the Son. In you and in me is Jesus. That same Jesus, this Lent, wants to glorify and praise his Father. For you, at the beginning of this Lenten season, the Father is looking at you, you and me. And as he gazes upon us with infinite love, he has a plan and a design. How you, because he planned you, he knows your body. If you're a diabetic and you can't fast physically, he knows that. Then what kind of fasting are you going to offer? It's the fasting of, Father, you, I want to do what you want me to do. 
That's the most key of all prayer. And so then when I ask the Father with that same love and desire that's in Jesus' heart in me, what is it that you want of me this particular Lent? So that when I step up and stand before the priest and receive the cross of ashes on my forehead, and I want to this particular 40-day period unite my will with your will so that the most beautiful prayer that Jesus gave us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come in me. Thy will be done in me on earth as it is in heaven. The saints and the angels in these next 40 days are doing only the will of God in heaven. I now, for this 40-day period, want to join them as perfectly and as purely as I can. So that what is the design that you have for me? And so what it would be a practical uh, fasting for me If you find yourself to be a judgmental person, why not fast on judging your neighbor and feast on seeing the good in every person that you meet? Ask our Lord to help you to begin to look at your wife and stop judging her and and criticizing her and stop looking at your neighbor and stop judging that person and criticizing in your own mind. So fast on judging and feast on seeing Christ in every person. If you find that you're an envious person, fast on being envious and jealous. Feast on being open to the beauty and the goodness of every time you hear someone and something good about them. Repeat it and to tell that story about their goodness. To to see the beauty in every person. Stop comparing and competing. Maybe that's your, your problem. And maybe you want to then feast on complimenting and fulfilling what you can toward others. So there's, there's different kinds of fasting and feasting. One is a, a spiritual kind, if you can't do it physically, and the other is a physical kind, if you have that kind of body. I think many of us, and, and I do believe that, you know, we talk about obesity in our country. We talk about excessive eating. You know, we look at the advertising on, on TV. And it's all about food and about drink. What a magnificent opportunity the church is giving us for the next 40 days. And I, and I really don't think you should be a sissy about it. What is it that Jesus in me wants to do to glorify his Father who is in me? This Lent. Perfect. I especially like the part, don't be a sissy. 
Yeah, I, I, I really, you know, and some of us hear the fasting rules and the abstaining rules, and we hardly pay attention. But the church is giving us an excellent opportunity to experience what Jesus experienced. In other words, the whole purpose of Lent is to go interiorly and experience that inner life, that inner self of Jesus Christ. That same life in me is is in me by baptism, and I want to renew my baptism by this Lenten opportunity of prayer and fasting. Oh, couple that too with almsgiving. I never forget being in Calcutta. The most outstanding Christian people that I saw evidence was Mother Teresa and her missionaries of charity. And of course, their mother house in Calcutta, there are 350 of them. When they fasted, they really fasted. And when they fasted, that's when I saw the connection between fasting and almsgiving. Because when the, the sisters fasted, the food that they would have eaten that day, lines and lines of people came to eat at their door. So what you gave up was now going into the stomachs of the poorest of the poor. And our almsgiving should be seen in those terms. What I don't eat and what I don't drink and what I don't spend on myself for luxuries, this Lent, I can take and I can give to the poor. They, all, they go right together because they unite us with the heart of Jesus and unite us with the will of the Father. Isn't the great hope, Monsignor, is that the practice that we've begun and the lessons that we learn in these 40 days, somehow through the, the great tritium that you've described to us, through those, that great moment of the Paschal Mystery, somehow has transformed all those experiences and all, all those lessons of Lent so that it has a continued life throughout the rest of the year. That it's not just one thing we do. And completely transforms me. You see, the Father is looking at you now at the beginning of Lent. And he's gazing at you. That's the whole point of prayer. He's gazing at you in your innermost heart. You begin to see Jesus in yourself. Who am I? So that what happens during the period of the Lenten fast and the Lenten practices is that the Holy Spirit is transforming you so that by the time these 40 days are over, you are more radically transformed into Jesus so that when Easter comes, you really have a transformation that's radically transforming you into Christ. Well, thank you so much for Monsignor Asif. God bless. You've been listening to Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer rock-solid and authentic spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. 
But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com. And join us next time for Building a Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essef.